0: This podcast provides a platform for our guests to express their own personal views and opinions. Some or all of these views and opinions may not be shared by Ben and or Yoel. Welcome to the Too Dad to Quit podcast. The podcast where we highlight stories of dads on the other side of divorce. To inspire
1: and give strength
0: to dads going through it. I'm Ben. And I'm Yoel. This week we have Eric Maybe Eric is a very healthy, conscious person. He has been focused on health and fitness uh, since he was a young kid and has never stopped. He turned it into a business. Uh, he had a horrible accident uh, in his 20s and rehabilitated himself uh, with mind and and body and soul. Um, and his story is very, very uh, intriguing. And he's got insights and uh, you know for days
1: yeah I, I mean Eric uh, there were so many quotable quotes uh, you know he kept them going rapid fire almost I take notes here as you know and uh I just couldn't keep up with all the pearls of wisdom that he had to share he clearly is somebody who as I said in the podcast he he walks the walk not just talks the talk he has consumed personal development he lives it and breathes it and it's definitely going to come through in the podcast so I'm super excited for our audience to, uh, to have a look and to have a listen as well.
0: Yeah. So grab your pens and enjoy this week. We are sitting down with Eric. Maybe I hope I pronounced that correctly. Eric lives Perfect. in Palm Harbor, Florida, and has been separated for over three years. He is the father to two boys, ages 18 and 13. Professionally, he is a holistic health coach and a real estate investor personally. He loves golfing and anything in nature. So, welcome, Eric. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you. Um, Thank you. I, there is a bunch I want to get into uh, about that, but I also saw you. You're not. You weren't a native uh, Floridian. That came at what point in your life?
2: Yeah, we uh, upstate New York, born and raised until I was 12, and then moved to Florida. With uh, my parents got divorced, so I'm a product of that as well. And uh, moved to Florida when I was 12 years old, so 33 years ago now.
0: Wow! And both your parents moved to Florida. One of them.
2: Yeah. So my dad moved me down, and then my mom came right after with my sister, my youngest sister. Yeah.
0: That's that's great. Yeah. Um, so you went to you went to school college, you know? Were you always school here? What's that? No. Were you always uh, into fitness, or that come later as well?
2: No, it kind of like I. Just fell in love with it at, at 12 years of age. Started building my own workout equipment um, and then started writing my own programs. And then by the time I was 18, I had enough people just constantly asking me questions because um, I was just always interested in it. So um, I started this, the wellness company at 18. Um, wow. Yeah. It's just been kind of a passion. And then of course, obviously through decades and decades, it just evolves into more comprehensive things. We do, you know, way more than just fitness now at this point.
0: Wow. I didn't didn't realize that. I thought it was a, a recent thing, uh, based on the post that I found you on.
2: So that is because, because I started my company so long ago, um, I never used the, I mean, number one, I started my company before the internet, anyways. (laughs) And so I had enough success without any internet that all of the social media that you got, I literally just brought, after 27 years in business, I just brought on my first social media marketing director, first one in two months. Congratulations. So everything you're seeing is all new. Um, I stammered through. You know a handful of posts and videos prior but nothing like you're getting now because i actually have you know brought someone that actually knows what they're doing and they're you know i'm not that's not what i do right so i'm not trained in yeah. that i have no passion in that it's not and so finally taking the leap to hire someone and outsource it um, not even outsource it insource it but having a right. person on staff that. Yeah. that's fantastic
1: yeah. What, what got you, you into fitness to begin with, especially at such a young age?
2: Yeah, it was just around, you know, my parents. I mean, I don't think they did any more. Like they went for runs and we had a pull-up bar. Um, and then my uncle was huge into weightlifting. Um, he was a trainer in California. He lived with us for a period of time. So I don't know. It was just, it was always around my eyeballs. And I just really took it on just kind of a, I was lifting weights by myself with rusty dumbbells in the basement, oh. you know, just, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I just did it and it just stuck and I love it.
0: Wow. And you, and you worked yeah. out by yourself. It's so interesting because my parents are also divorced and like, I just found people like I was always finding friends or finding activities or playing sports, like anywhere to like yeah. have some sort of like stability in like a quasi yep. family. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um,
2: so I did have all that. But like the weightlifting, I was the first like, little kid working out that I knew. Mm-hmm. I So you know, I would just train in my basement alone. <laughs> and you know, <laughs> when I was in New York, there's no basements in Florida. So we moved to Florida, I went to the garage or out on the right. pool deck. So yeah, just, you know, no one was lifting weights at that age, especially back in 1990. Um, now I train a lot of kids. Um, but we do it in a very different way than standard weightlifting is done. Wow.
0: Oh. And what? Yeah, go ahead. Were you into, into wrestling at all? Or it was
2: just <laughs> lifting? Uh, you know, there's separate, the answer is yes, because that was, that was where I excelled in sports. Uh, but weightlifting came first and then all the other sports oh. that I played were wow. just there, but the weightlifting and exercise was primary. I, I mean, I remember at seven years old, like really, wanting to have an eight pack and really wanting to like wow. be the fast kid in the school and like just, yeah, but wrestling. Yeah. That's, that's a whole nother story.
1: <laughs> By the way, you met, you mentioned kids and you started at a young age, you know, I was always told when I was younger, uh, you know, weightlifting stunts, growth, you can't. Yeah. So I was doing tons of push-ups and anything but weightlifting, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, do you have any, any research on that? It's I'm sure 100%. That, yeah.
2: yeah so again old limiting beliefs and a lot of it again if kid like when i'm training kids under resistance now yeah you don't want to damage growth plates so you know you shouldn't have an eight-year-old and just for clarification my kids are eight and 13 Mm -hmm. uh so i got a little guy um and yeah you don't want to be like doing olympic deadlifting with a nine-year-old so it's nothing like that it's functional sports training. You know, it's, it's it, you provide resistance in a safe, healthy manner. And then the biggest thing that I work with kids on is actually enhancing their central nervous system for balance coordination. That's really how you help a human body excel and then eliminate injuries as well through those stabilizer exercises and very complex um, biomechanical movement patterns. So we do, you know, I have, I've got a couple pictures or videos of my 12 year old lifting weights at a very progressive level, nothing extreme, always higher repetition so that the weight and resistance on his joints is very, very low. Um, yeah, keep it safe. But yeah, the stunt in the growth thing, it's just funny. Yeah. You know, if they're in a, if they're in the German, uh training tanks of olympic weightlifters sure i wouldn't do that to a nine-year-old but for the way that you can do it you're you're just fine training as right. kids
0: it's right. funny to you but my dad is six one and my mother's four nine so i didn't yeah. do i didn't do i didn't do anything that may have stunted my growth so i didn't lift weights i didn't drink coffee i yeah. I, I, I didn't do drugs i i did nothing that could have stunted yeah. my growth
2: yeah <laughs> I got a mom in the
0: forest too, man. Yeah. So I say, I stay far away of all of it.
1: Wow. So Eric, you, you maintained from the age of 12, you've maintained your fitness the entire time or did you have like periods? Wow. That's incredible consistency. Yeah.
2: I've had injuries, but I've always, because again, the, so, yeah, I, a, you know, part of my story is I was in a severe car accident that debilitated my spine all the way wow. to where I couldn't walk at one point in my early 20s.
1: Oh, my goodness. Wow.
2: So I had to learn that's where that's where it went from a training facility to a holistic wellness coaching, mm. because all of my fitness training, weightlifting background did nothing but continue to re injure me mm. when when you don't have a young, perfect body which what adult does and what, you know, people do is that when you start applying stress to dysfunctional body joints or structures, you magnify injury. Mm. And so I kept hurting myself through what I knew about weightlifting. And I had no clue about how actual the body actually works. And that includes inflammation from food inflammation from stress, um, caffeine, lack of whatever, whatever the things are, I had to figure out how to walk again. And then from walking again, how do I get strong again? So although I've had variations in my fitness journey because of injury, I was always, I've never, I've always, it's always been an interest. I've never not studied it. I am always, I'm always reading a book at some point, nonstop year round, always Mm -hmm. forever.
1: Wow. Interesting. Would you say that, you know, I'm curious as I've, I've watched interviews. Like, for example, I saw an interview of Bob Iger and you know, he's the, the CEO of Disney. Uh, okay. I think he's back. He, he's, he, 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 he's back. he resigned, he's, back. he's back and you know, he's known for being, you know, in, into a major fitness routine. And he was asked about that and what motivates him. And he actually quite honestly said, well, health is a big part, but also vanity. And I thought that was interesting because yeah, there's no question. I know for myself, you know, I was, uh, you know, I got into shape after my divorce, or in the process of the divorce, and definitely I would say vanity, vanity plays a big part in that. So, you know, what's your take on that? Would you would you agree with that? And if so, how do you feel about that?
2: Yeah, it's it's like any other journey that someone's on. There, there's all the, the the why, right? Why do we do anything? And you have your superficial why which is, you know, and I love that he was just transparent. He's like, yeah, I want to look good.
1: Yeah. I right. It. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, and so, that, you know, who is who am I or who is anyone to fault anyone for their whys? As a health coach and a light like 40 percent of what I do day to day is life coaching. Hmm. So in that realm, when I look at those answers, then you can go deeper and start peeling away because I used to have like you know because of my parents divorce and then they went bankrupt and then I had all this money scarcity lack, mm. fear. Mm. I had my own um, self-worth tied to money and finances growing up and as a young adult and so that be- that was my why but I it was it was it's an unhealthy why because I'm attaching identity to money
1: mm.
2: or if you're ita- if you're attaching identity, to fitness. You know, so what happens when, you know, so imagine Marilyn Monroe one day got to be 90 years old. She, well, she's no longer the sexiest woman on the planet. So now what? You have to, like now she's going to be stressed out, upset, longing for the past, blah blah blah. And now she's going to be unhappy because of something that she attached identity to, which is that anytime we attach identity to anything, we're going to we're, we're going to create suffering at some point in our life. So if we can so I had the same thing over finances. I had to relinquish my identity from finances so that I could actually be free in the world of finance
1: wow. and
2: not be run by the, that attachment to it. So um, that's just sort of my global scope on it. But, you know, everyone's on their own journey and their path. And if that's the motivator to get you going, you know, great. You know, we all need something to get that started. And then how it evolves is up to the person.
1: No, that's great. and 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 we've talked on on this podcast about identity. so you're you're talking about attaching identity. You know, the, sort of the I'm not an expert by any stretch, but i I like a lot of the the books about yoga and I've read a lot about that, and they're big into non-identity, right? So yeah, you know would you would you agree with that sort of idea of trying to sort of not be not identify with anything one thing in particular, to say like, yes, I'm a dad, but I don't identify as exclusively a dad or I don't identify as this or that.
2: Yeah, correct. 100%. Because it breeds, the moment you identify, there's an attachment. And then the moment there's an attachment, now there's a dysfunction because we are not, you know, yes, I have a title of a dad, but there are people, there are parents who are like, that's who they are. Or like, let's say I'm Michael Jordan. Well, uh, eventually you're no longer the Michael Jordan because you just age out of that identity or that Mm. attachment to that. I am the greatest basketball player, you know, like, eventually you're not the greatest basketball player because you, you know, his knees are bad. He's in his fifties. You know, you just can't, can't keep that up. And so it's a way of getting ahead of the inevitable suffering that comes from attachment.
0: Yes. It's it's so interesting because I know Joel talks about this all the time, identity, and he doesn't want to attach himself to some identity, but for me, the only identity I am is I'm Ben Stern and that's it. That's all I've ever been. And whatever yeah. I am within the Ben Stern, that's what I am. And, you know, the most important thing to me is that I have a good name and that I'm nice to people. And when people hear my name, they're like, oh, Ben Stern, he's the best. You know, like that. That's all. That's it for me. You know, I don't have the yeah. vanity thing. I don't have, you know, <laughs> Yoel came to my house one weekend. And he's like, where are your mirrors? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I never look in the mirror like that's not a thing. <laughs> he's like, "Where are they? I don't see any mirrors in this house." I'm like, "I think my kids have one in the closet. I don't
2: know." Um yeah, but I, I,
1: I'm gonna, ch- I'm gonna challenge you on that, Ben. And then I'm curious, so not to ask Eric to weigh in between us here, as the, as the, as well. You're a coach, right? But and yeah, I am a coach, judge, and I'm
2: neutral. But, yeah.
1: No, but I mean, I, I think the, the, the reality is that you know, especially a lot of, a lot of us men that have, you know, you're separated, Eric, but you know, Ben and I have gone through uh, the divorce process. I think a big part of it is because. Uh, we identify so strongly as husbands. Like that is so much a part of our lives. And when that sort of is taken away because of that strong identity, it's very shocking to many people. And Ben, I, I, I would challenge you, Ben. I, 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 I'm not so sure that you you didn't identify as, you know, a husband. And when that was taken away, or, you know, I don't want to say it in that way, but when that was no longer the case, that's a big, uh, a, a big awakening. Um, And same for dad. I I think that is a big part of your, your identity. I don't think you would have started this podcast. I'm not saying, so that's my point. Like when I talk about the yoga yogis talking about trying to move away from identity, we're human beings, like getting to that state is extremely difficult. Only the masters fully can say, you know, that they don't have an identity, but everybody else, maybe gets is trying to get to that point if you're into that sort of thing but we all have identities and identify whether we're conscious of it or not
0: you know no we're- i'm saying i'm a, I'm a multitude of identities i am many many things i am not just one thing and all of these things and they're going to continue to change make up ben stern so i'm not tied to one thing i am a multitude of things and that's it so i don't i don't i don't it doesn't go deeper from that for me but um <laughs> anyway, Eric, back to you. Yes. Um
1: <laughs> Ben loves so these discussions. I I'm always know?
0: curious like who who qualifies as a coach? What makes someone you know, like coaching is like a big deal now and everybody's like, I'm a coach. Oh, it coach. is and hearing your story, um, I, I'd like to get into it if you don't mind, but it definitely sounds like you're a person who was struck by a you know, a big incident in your life and you had to battle back so you have that knowledge and, and that experience to coach someone through it, which is kind yeah. of what we're trying to do here because yeah. we've been through divorce and we want to, you know, being on the other side, we're able to help people that are going through it. Um, yeah. But I'd like to like rewind, you yeah. know, you 18, you opened up this gym, everything was going great. Were you, and then this incident happened, which I, you get into, what were you up to in life at that point?
2: Um, yeah. So So the, there, there's a couple key like moments that occurred in my life. And so the car accident was the big one on the Mm -hmm. physical level, but then, you know, again, any, we all come up through crap, right. You know, whether it's divorced parent, I mean, and even people like, again, we are all evolving consciousnesses. We're all evolving people. So even people that come from this perfect little, you know, cookie cutter home and, (laughs) oh, My parents loved each other and we went on vacations and everything was good. They're still, they're still a human, they're still a soul evolving through their human experience. And so, you know, going through my parents' divorces, going through moving from my, you know, born and raised town to an area where I knew nobody in middle school, which is when, mm. like, again, I now have a middle school kid and it's just, yeah. <laughs> it's weird. Oh, you got elementary school and you have high school, but then like the middle school years are just so wildly different. Um so I moved, you know, so so all of the things that I collected as baggage as a kid, I brought into my adult life. Mm. And all of a sudden I started running up against the fallout of not having healed that. And I had a, um, a mentor recommend I start down this path of personal development. Wow. So I began taking courses, reading books, meditating, even though I'd been a little bit into meditation earlier, really diving into it. And I started to like heal all of these relationships, mostly my parents, healing those relationships, healing just like I started to peel away all of the unconscious baggage, trauma, whatever, that I never dealt with. And I got to do that in my mid to late 20s. And so I started to feel like this freedom. And I was like, holy shit. And so then once once you start down that path and you start self-analyzing, then you can hear in everyone else's speaking shit that they're dealing with that they haven't addressed because holy. it's in their Wow. So, because again, the experience is that I've been there. So I've told all the lies to myself. I know what the, the I know what the surface words are. Yeah. And I know what the buried, buried unconscious pain that I was running from or hiding from or ignoring. And so with my clients, I started to hear, you know, cause in a coaching environment, people just tell you everything. Yeah. <laughs> and so I started to hear all of the background that they weren't telling me and I started to give them suggestions recommendations and they're like oh my god that totally worked. and then I recommend this book or take this course or do this breath type you know just and all of a sudden like again it it works because it. and so then the, the life coaching practice took on a whole life of its own because now a I can do that from anywhere on the planet Um, I don't have to like structurally assess somebody. I can literally just listen to them, hear what's going on in the back and then help them propel to their next level. So that was like those emotional things coming to a head. And then I just, I don't, I want to thrive. And so even at that age, I just, I didn't want to suffer and I wanted to figure, I wanted to take action so that I could live better, be better, feel better. And then the last major one, which was great, because the universe will test you once you think like you really got something down, mm. the universe is gonna be like, you really, think you got this down? <laughs> next, so, next
1: wave, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, next wave. So as a real estate investor, not knowing actually how money worked and how investing worked, in my late 20s, early 30s, I was in the collapse of 2008.
0: Right. Well, so yeah.
2: here we are, you know, we're starting a family. I've got young kids. I'm the breadwinner and I've got no, and I'm broke. So then I had to, that's, that's where I really got to heal from my attachment and identification with money was having it all gone, filing bankruptcy and being completely at peace with nothing. Mm. And that's where that kind of the third major event in my life happened was actually going to the, it was, it was the, I love this story. It's like a light, nice coaching moment. I went to the bankruptcy court in Tampa, handed them my bankruptcy paperwork. And the lady is like, why are you smiling? And and I, she's like, she's like, nobody walks up this, you know, and hands like smiling. And I'm, and I said, well, let me ask you a question. I said, if I turn this, smile upside down do i get all my do i get all my money back do you like give me a check like Uh the banks got bailed out like can i is that how this works because if, if it doesn't if i don't get all my money back by being upset then i there's really no it doesn't serve me any purpose so you know that's like the culmination of the story but the years like you know the bleed out took a while it took a while for me to bleed out to nothing and what I had to learn and go through and overcome every single day like I listened to audiobooks and different programs on non-attachment and I'm talking like three four five six seven hours a day like every single day for almost 10 to 12 years I immersed myself in non-attachment, letting go, surrender, and at the same time, commitment, manifestation, uh, realigning my core beliefs with something of a higher quality, not an attachment to like, I got to make money to feed my family. Like I had to get out of the scarcity lack survival and into thriving emotional state before I could do it as an actual state.
1: Wow. Are there are there so I've got a bunch of questions. I'm sure Ben does also. Are, are there some some books that stand out as your favorites out there for people that you would absolutely or- all right. I'm gonna I'm
2: gonna give him a plug as my man. I'm sure pretty well known Eckhart Tolle. Well, oh, Eckhart
1: Tolle, sure. I have the Power of Now. I don't have that one.
2: So that was Power of Now and a New Earth back in the day that I got them where they were on CDs, mm-hmm. and I listened to each book over 200 times. Wow. Each. Wow. Like There's- that. Yeah, like that's how committed I am to like, just work, do the work, you got to do the work. So his two books were the absolute pivotal um, impact in my life and in my transformation. Then from there, there's a great of other books that are all fantastic. Um, there's a couple of near-death experiences were pretty cool because to really understand <laughs> life. It's really great if you can have a little glimpse at death. Mm. Um, so mm. I, I like going down that rabbit hole. I also love the neuroscience quantum physics thing. Um, Joe Dispenza is the biggest name, yeah. one of the bigger names now. His stuff is great because he he relays what could be complex in very, very simple practical terms and language so that everyone can understand it. So he came way, way, way later in my journey. But Eckhart for me, is like the fundamental root of it, hmm. of getting clear. And then once you get all rid of all your crap, then you can move on to different success books. Because trying to build success on a crappy foundation is just going to perpetuate the same problems.
1: That's a great quote. <laughs> have you have, have you gotten into Michael Singer at all? Uh, mm. soul living Untethered. Great. Yeah,
2: love that. Yeah, book. yeah, yeah. yeah right a big fan of his. Yeah. Every book I read, I read at least six times because there's no way, like, look at look at Michael's, his wisdom, his comprehensive knowledge, the way that he articulates that. There's no way that I could read that book one, two, or even three times and truly absorb the wisdom that he poured into that book. So it's just one of my general rules with stuff like his work is like, it's got to be six times minimum for me to really be able to like experience what he's saying. I use his examples a lot as well. Yeah. He's great.
1: What? I'm, that's amazing. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a big Michael Singer fan and, and also Eckhart Tolle. What, so I was really relating to what you were saying before about, you know, when you immerse yourself, you start to, to realize things and it's obviously, I mean, for you, it serves you well in what you do as a coach, but for the average right. person, obviously the goal is to stay in our own lane. You know, God knows I've got plenty to work on on myself, but I do realize that I will notice things in other people that I feel that others don't see themselves. Like they just will not go to that place or they cannot. And, but I know that I can, I, I don't want to say never, I I dabbled with the idea of coaching, but I haven't gotten into it. I'm not saying it's impossible in the future, but I do feel like it takes special qualities to be a coach. In other words, just knowing and just not just, but immersing and knowing what do you think, you know, not to put you on the spot or to toot your own horn, but do you feel there's certain qualities that you have that enables you to be such an effective coach? Like, is there some some sort of secret or not so secret sauce that, that allows you to do what you're doing? Because I can tell just, you know, I've only known you for about a half hour, but, I, you know, you're really, like, really impressive and really knowledgeable. Thank and, you. you know, you have a great aura to you. So, what do you think it is? Thank have you, you ever
2: thought about that? Um, A little bit. There, There's an absolute alignment with what I do, because like, for example, you know, again, this is my 27th year in business. I will be working in this facility about 12 to 13 hours a day, three days a week. And then my half days are seven to nine hours. And if you're not in absolute alignment with what your purpose on this planet is, you can't put in those hours and not burn out or not be stressed. Like this is, this is, and so there's, you know, again, it's that whole nurture versus nature. I don't know how much of it is just who I am and also how much of it is who I've become mm. because of the immersion, the, immer- the amount, again, you've gotten a little glimpse of it. Like Eckhart Tolle's books, I'm not kidding you, 200 times each book, minimum. Amazing. Like anything I do or everything I do, I look to in the areas that matter to me. I look for full immersion so that i can really have the results that i am intending to have from taking on the 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 practice and so um you know but i've also seen a lot of people if i feel like you can develop any skill with enough practice Hmm. and then it's just a matter of do you want to use it you know i could become a much better golfer now could i be next tiger woods no those are those are those one in a trillion in a lifetimes that that get to that level and that consistency. But could I get myself to be an excellent golfer? Yeah, I could. Am I? Absolutely not. I don't put in the hours. I don't put in the time. I don't put, I don't do any of that. So, you know, regarding you being an effective coach, it's just a matter of immersion. And then is it even what you want to do?
0: Mm.
2: You know, I mean- maybe you have another passion or calling
0: I mean, you, all, you wrote your book, your, your coat, your books are pretty coachy. It's-
2: yeah. I mean, like, like I said, it's,
1: and, and Eric was saying also, I, I'm not saying it's, it's not something I, I would pursue. It could be a, a matter of timing as well, or just more immersion. Like I've read Michael Singer probably 30 times, I don't know, 30 times or so, but not 200, not that it's a comparison, but I do okay. think sometimes it takes, you know, different people need different seasoning and, 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 and whatnot, you know, but I can definitely, you know, see from, you know, what you hear and see from what you're saying that, uh, you know, you definitely are, are walking the walk, not just talking the talk. So, yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: And every, every single part of what I coach, I live it down to my core, mm. like mm. a thousand percent, like, you know, anyone that knows me, what I eat, what I drink, how I sleep, my, all my rituals, all my things. And I actually, it seems when I say it out loud, then I'm pretty like regimented, but I live a pretty fun life too. You know, I, I do have a lot of fun and you know, it, it's, it's, but in order to have the freedom to have the fun, you also have to have order as the base in order to finance the fun, you know, mm. um, you know, in the holistic world, there's a lot of very broke free people, but, they're always broke and they're never really like, and again, I'm around them. So I hear them and I know them personally. So it's like, Oh my God, my rent's going up. I got to move my kids. Well, that sucks. Cause now like what's affordable is in a school district. That's less than appealing, especially in Florida. Mm. And now they've got to relocate because of not having a foundation. So um, I feel like that, again, I teach balance, you know, balance in anything is really where you can thrive.
0: Yeah. So I, I like to get into this holistic health coach because it's not yeah. a term I hear often. Uh, you right. hear of lots of different coaches, health coaches, life coaches, but this sounds like maybe it's a, a combination of both. Um, mm-hmm. So I'd like to really dive in and, and understand what that means and how you see it. Um, yeah. yeah.
2: So the, um, yeah, it, the health coach and life coach are a little bit synonymous because it Because I happen to be in an industry that I know health and wellness, I I work in that lane a lot, but I'm also an entrepreneur and I have been since, you know, even though I started this business at 18, I have started multiple companies in that time, including my, my various real estate endeavors. So I have a lot of various experience out there in the business world and I'm a dad now, so I have parenting experience. I, you know, I've just... I have a little bit of experience at my age in various things. And so when people are struggling in certain areas that aren't necessarily health related, you know, like I work with a ton of people with injuries and cancers and autisms and all sorts of health issues. But then I have people that are just really stressed out, even though that's technically the biggest health issue, mm. um, working on stress, working on sleep, but I also coach them. Like, here's the craziest thing. Um, you know, so business and finance is a big part of my coaching because like I have clients who have massively successful companies, but they don't know how to multiply their money. So they give it to a big investing firm who take, you know, Mm. Tony Robbins wrote a magical book. I don't know if you guys have read it. It's called money master the game.
1: No, but he has his latest book. I I think he has another finance book. I forgot what it's called, but I haven't read that one.
2: Yeah. So this one was after the crash Mm. and Beautiful book brought a ton of light. And then, you know, the, the, here's a really fun statistic. 90% of all millionaires are made through a single asset class. Like, cause the whole finance world says you got to diversify, you got to diversify, you got to diversify. Mm-hmm. But if 90% of all millionaires are made in a single asset class, why would you diversify to the other 10% that is so scattered it's impossible to actually really understand and make money in when there's one glaringly obvious asset class that makes 90% of all millionaires. Mm, So jackpot. And the amount of wealth that you can create and passive income you can create in real estate is unmatched by anything. And so in the last seven years, what i've been able to do coming from absolute dead dfl you ever guys ever heard of that term dfl no there's a, it's dead effing last <laughs> like if you're in a race of 100 people and you come in dfl <laughs> like you are last out of 100 people dfl it's a sports term. Uh, yeah so um you know and some of my mentors and coaches what they were able to achieve in the last five, six, seven years. Unreal, it's unreal when you know what you're doing. And so I've become an investment advisor, a business advisor for a lot of my clients who have a net worth way more than mine, but my returns are five times of what they're doing. Mm, that's and so the, the life coach, health coach have really in, in, in reality, you're life, this is one of my favorite, another favorite quote, a healthy man or a healthy person has a million wishes and a sick person has one. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. When you're sick or hurt, you want nothing else in life, but to feel better. Yeah. That's your only wish. That's your only wish. And if you're well, you can wish for anything and everything, and you and you will. You'll wish for lots of things, and so, you know, ultimately, the life coaching and health coaching they're 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 inseparable because when people are struggling with life, and it even it doesn't even need to be struggle. You know, at, at certain levels, I, you can just it's thriving and thriving and thriving and thriving. So there's also that component to it, but human nature is that most people seek help when there's pain. Mm. And that's a hard lesson that I also had to learn is that when things were going well, I became complacent because things are good. Mm. So who wants to be more uncomfortable when things are already really comfortable? So I've had a couple moments in my life and my career where things were just like perfect on paper. And then I'm like, I had to remind myself, go back in keep learning, keep growing, keep expanding, because the more that I grow and expand from a conscious standpoint, the more that I can share and give away. Mm. Like I love, so because of my passion for f- health and food, I always, I donate, I donate for food, like, um, mm-hmm. or, you know, communities or organizations that have to do with, Um, anything, it's really like wellness driven. So the more money I make, the more money I can give. And um, obviously children are a big place for me and health is a big place for me. So, you know, providing money for people to buy land, to grow gardens, to feed their cause or whatever it happens to be. But I'm a huge um, believer in that. And I can't, my ability to give is only limited by my ability to have. Hmm. but I can't I, give somebody a million dollars if I don't have it to give.
0: Yeah. I recently heard something like, uh, you know, it, it was some famous person talking about the money that they get and they're like, yeah, I don't care how much money I, I get because I'm just going to give it away so that I can get more because right. if I, <laughs> as long as I keep giving it away, I'm going to keep getting more to give it away. Yeah. And that, yeah. And that So that's one of those things that like, I'm trying to internalize, but uh, it's one of those things that goes against what your natural uh, thing is, but but it makes total sense.
2: Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, you have to look at flow, money's supposed to flow, not compress. So when money flows, you're, you're, you're giving the energy that you are a money magnet. So you attract it to give it, you're attracted to give it. Yeah. But it's totally, it rationally conflicts with what we think for sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, what's, what's the first thing you tell somebody who's let's say comes to you and says they're obviously every person is, is different on it, on its, in its circumstances, but in, in general, when somebody does have that sort of scarcity approach and actually is in, yeah. the or, uh, you know, objectively, seemingly in the dumps financially, how do yeah. you get that sort of, um, abundance mentality to, to, to somebody yeah. like any, any practical things besides like the visualizing and meditating and those, that things, but what about practically speaking?
2: Yeah. Practically speaking, it starts with disidentifying from money. Again, it's the stuff that I had to do. It's like, I had to there, there, if you can get to the root of that dysfunction, then you can help heal it. And so, some so working on if they're ready to work on non attachment to money or disidentification from money, you can start there. You can also go one of my favorite terms is to go general. So, when I was having issues with money, I couldn't even fathom manifesting or positive thinking my way to more money. It was too the, the, The pain point was too close. Hmm. The, the, The scab was too raw. So I can't try to fix money with money. I had to go general and go to abundance, the feeling of abundance, because I can, even if I have $0 in my bank account, I can have abundance of air. I can have abundance of water. I can have abundance of sunshine here in Florida. I can have abundance of love for my friends and my family. I have abundance of water. There's water around, I live right next to the ocean. Like Mm -hmm. There is abundance everywhere. Mm -hmm. And so that I can get myself bought into and sold on. So I go general instead of specific. So I work on it on the internal level of detaching identification from it and possibly finding the route to dissolve that. And again, for me, if I there was a moment where I made the decision that there's never enough. So I saw that and I was able to heal that. And then disidentifying was another piece and then going to the abundance. So that's like the inner work. And then the outer work is like feeling abundant in my life now, no matter how much money I have or don't have. Mm. And so that's sort of how you bridge the gap because when you're like right in that nucleus of pain, it's really hard to say like, I am healthy and well, when you're in the middle of stage four (laughs) cancer, right? Like that's a really hard sell. So what you've got to do is you've got to go general because that person is breathing air and that person can drink water. So they can be like, I am, you know, they can go general to like, I have clean air to breathe. I have clean water to drink and they can start going to things that are, are true for them in that moment and then build momentum wow. through repetition and immersion.
1: Amazing.
0: So I have a, I have a couple of things that I want to cover that I saw on your, on your wall. And I guess kudos to your social media person. Um, <laughs> one of those is uh, you have a thing on self-sabotaging. Um. Uh-huh. And I just want to get into that a little bit. You know, some people have, I guess, uh, uh, imposter syndrome, Mm. but there's other people that have self sabotaging. So, imposter syndrome, you're waiting for everything to just collapse because you don't believe it's real or you should be there or whatever it is. But I feel like self sabotaging is that, but like with a hammer. (laughs) So, yeah. So if you can go into a little bit of, you know, into self-sabotaging and what as a coach you would say to someone that you, you see it, but they don't.
2: Right. So when it comes to people in your life, I'll kind of answer two parts of this question. The first part is when you see it in somebody else, because when the ability to hear where someone is and what they're doing that you can help them with doesn't mean that you open your mouth to them about what's wrong with them or how you can help. Mm. So I am very, very selective. Number one, uh, when I was younger, I would try to like help everyone. Cause I could hear all their shit, <laughs> but I realized that nobody wants my unsolicited <laughs> advice.
0: Mm. Yeah.
2: And so what happened is, is that I just, I, I, you know, Every now and again, if it was something that was really acute, I might just make a soft mention and then see what their response is. If they're open, then I would go another layer and another layer and start to see if I can peel them back. But if my soft mention was met with a a hard resistance, we're good. We're all good. I get to empathetically love them and not try to coach them out of their issues. When it comes to the self sabotage and it's a client, it, it's literally just about recognition and to not hide from it. The more that you can declare it, because I have people journal their food, their sleep, their water, their, I, you know, journaling is a very powerful practice, not just like journaling your positive mantras before you go to bed. Mm-hmm. I regularly journal my activity levels for a day to see where i'm excuse the french pissing away quality time Mm. where am i just messing around with you know i I do believe in you know this is one of my my phrases is i use social media now but i will not be used by social media
1: Mm. that's
2: great (laughs) And so that's how I feel about a lot of things in the technology world is that use it to serve you, but when it's no longer serving you, you got to take an honest look at that. So I'm constantly looking at, so I journal, I do, I do little audits of my life so that I can be truthful to myself about where I'm really self-sabotaging so any degree, you know, it doesn't have to be a catastrophic self-sabotage because life is all about degrees of variance. And so even the three minutes a day I might be scrolling through reels, that three minutes a day times seven days a week times X 52 weeks a year, I could have looked at 25 commercial real estate deals in replace of those three minutes of scrolling. So looking at 25 real estate deals could land me potentially a multi-million dollar contract but I didn't do it because I was screwing around on my phone. So I will do these journals to just bring to light the areas that I'm sabotaging my own dreams and desires to a degree by choosing something that doesn't serve me. So I will have my clients just it's you don't try to fix it. Just become aware of it. And the moment you become aware of it and truthful of it, now it's not, it's not running you in the shadows. You have to consciously now choose to make that sabotaging decision. And that is a much more challenging, painful process to go through because now, like, it's right in front of you. You're writing it down. Yeah. You're going to read it. Like, it becomes a very proactive process for people to write down their shit and it starts there. We don't try to fix anything. Just be honest about it. Just be Mm -hmm. honest. So it out of the shadows and into the light.
0: Makes total sense. And then Mm -hmm. the, the other post that I saw was that the mind can heal the body. And we touched on it a little bit, um, Mm -hmm. but I feel like, you know, through your accident and all your work, you might have some some insights in how you used your mind to to heal your body.
2: Yeah, there's you know there there's you can go way down the rabbit hole with this. Like again, have you guys heard of Joe Dispenza?
0: Yeah, I
1: have. I, I'm I'm trying to remember from where, but I've heard of. It. I don't remember if I've read any of his stuff, but
2: okay, he's one of the big names in the world of of personal development, self help. So he was a chiropractor. He was a cyclist as well. And while he was riding his bike, he got hit by a car Mm. and fractured, I don't know, six or eight of his vertebrae. And while he was in the hospital, he started to like put together his vertebrae mentally. So that's like way down the rabbit hole of healing, using the mind to heal the body. Mm. It's not so crazy. We have
0: uh, one of our guests, actually, he told me that he had back pain. Mm -hmm. and it was just killing him and he just healed it with mindfulness he just lay down and said back i know this is hurting me i know you're trying to help me but i don't need it anymore and you can go and he fixes he fixes back pain just like that
2: yeah everyone on the planet has a different perspective of that type of healing and um, some people are ready to listen to it some people have some other programming about it like it's some christian science never go see a doctor yeah, yeah yeah right so um yeah so it's it's you know everything is energy which means the body is energy which means thoughts are energy so if you create a dominant energy of wellness in your body through persistent you know belief and thoughts then yeah it's all possible you know for me it was using my mind both to reduce stress and fear about my injury and then using my mind to learn intellectually how to structurally rehabilitate my body and then progressively get it back to full function again
0: uh, so long i long used I it
2: take? both physical and metaphysical oh gosh hmm. <laughs> years 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 <throat> so yeah because it's all you were walking all
0: sure yeah. you weren't walking you had full you weren't walking for years
2: no, I wasn't I had pretty debilitating pain for about three years that culminated with me not walking uh-huh. because of blown discs in my in my low back mm. and then I got with a doctor who was doing some pioneering research at the time on structural rehabilitation. He taught me basically how that part worked. I integrated his knowledge with my background in holistic you know wellness fitness rehab and you know, over the, again, a lot of hard lessons, me trying stuff out through exercise, realizing, nope, that lever, that load, that pressure, that torsion, that it doesn't, can't do that. So knocked me back down six months, had to rebuild back up again.
0: Wow.
1: So, something that strikes me is that I think that a lot of times people will, you know, watch or listen to a podcast like this and see you speaking or they'll read what, you know, things that an author like Eckhart Tolle writes and definitely myself as well. One tends to forget how many years it went into to get to that point. So like, I even know for myself, you know, Ben has actually told me many times, like, don't beat yourself up or don't compare yourself, you know, because it's like, why isn't this happening yet? Like, why am I not? And it's like, it took this guy 15 years to get to this yeah. point, you know, but yeah. I think people tend to forget that. Like, patience totally. is a big part of the perseverance, yeah. right? So,
2: you ever heard uh, the overnight success that only took 30 years? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. it's it, you yeah. know, nothing just has It's, 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 you know, the 10,000 hour rule stuff like that. It just right. Just take lots. Yeah.
0: There, right. There's actually a, a clip floating around. I don't know if you saw it with, uh, I'm never going to get this name right. Giannis Antetokounmpo uh, from the Bucks, uh, basically, a uh, reporter asked him, hey, how can you believe that you failed again? And he basically oh, yeah. says, he basically says, you asked me this last year. Just because we didn't win the championship, that doesn't make me a failure. You know, <laughs> Jordan, was in, Jordan was playing in the NBA for 15 years. He won six titles. So the extra Eight. the last other nine years, he was failing. No, he was working to progress to get to a goal. So it's not failing. Yep. You're just on the yep. way to a goal. Um, yep. And I, I feel That's like awesome. it's a message that kids are missing these days. Yeah. Like, because of all the instant gratification and everything is there. And, you know, I want it now. Show me now. Oh, yeah. I need it now. Oh, yeah. Or yeah. or they don't even get, you know, like a bad Like my, my daughter, she didn't want to fill in her test. And just hand it in with wrong answers. And I was like, that's the whole point of the test. We need to know what you know. Just (laughs) give it in. You're not she thought not giving in a hundred would be a failure. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. And
0: no, it's to see what you know so you can learn for the next time. And it's I feel like it's a concept that's missed on this generation of these kids that they they either get, you know, good job or did okay, but like there's no grades. So how do you know what you're striving for? Um, but i this i sent it to all my kids this quote this uh, interview i was like yeah, this is it, it guys you need it's
2: this <laughs> every every year you work you work towards something towards a goal right With, which is to get a promotion to be able to uh take care of your family to be able i don't know um provide the house for them or take care of your parents you work towards a goal it's not a failure it's steps to success it's um, really it's yeah, an amazing thing
0: really so, amazing. so if you haven't seen it definitely look it up, but, uh, he just says point, point blank. He's like, I'm not failing. I'm working. You know, there's, (laughs) there's, there's, we got to the finals. We didn't make it, but we didn't fail. We made it to the finals. Like, what what are you doing?
1: Michael Jordan played 15 years, won six championship. The other nine years was a failure.
0: Um, I want to, I want to talk about your kids a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. it is the two dad to quit podcast. Um, (laughs) So you have your you have your kids. Uh, how does that work? Uh, you're our first uh, guest that's been separated. So okay, uh, how does that work with you and your kids' uh, schedules and things like that? It
2: works magically. So my my ex and I are incredible co parents, incredible friends, incredible business partners, and you know, again, I am still the earner. So it's all organized so that I can still thrive in that sense. Um, and I also bought a house outside of the neighborhood of our other house. So they literally can just, you know, but but the schedule is set up, the logistics are set up so perfectly and magically um, so that I see them regularly. They're, they're, you know, oh, it's just a, it's, it's a beautiful, harmonious, like it is the most uh, there's a new term called conscious uncoupling. Yes, mm-hmm. I've heard that. Sure. And it's it's a beautiful thing where, you know, my, my experience through divorce with my parents was nasty, bitter, hateful. They didn't talk for 20 years. It was always the kids being pulled in between and choosing sides and all of this just wretched stuff. And um, I swore that that would never be the case ever. And, you know, um, my ex also has done a good bit of personal development. And so it's nice. You know, I see them all the time. Um, we have a beautiful arrangement, a beautiful schedule. Um, I live next door to them basically not right next door. It's not, that. um, just far enough, but just close enough.
1: Um,
2: yeah, man, it's a wonderful, like I really wish it for everybody and it is possible through, well, you have to have two people that are willing to communicate and willing to work together, and if you can create that, everyone wins, especially the kids.
0: That's great. That's great. Yeah. And uh, being that it is the two dad to quit podcast, there we like to leave uh, our listeners and our audience with a two dad to quit moment from our guests. Uh, so if you can share a two dad to quit moment when you were like, mm-hmm. "Man, I am the dad," or I'm killing it. These kids are awesome. I made those kids, you know, something that just, you know, your <laughs> face lights up when you, when you think about yeah, it.
2: Yeah. Honestly, any, it, it's always being outside playing with the kids is the moment, you know, because I have the disparity of age, you know, I, I'm not, you know, it. I always have to try to split myself in two for the younger one and the older one and still, you know, <laughs> It's the age difference you know, my, it's so, but when we can all engage and participate in whatever it is, again, it's usually something outdoors, but just being able to play together is like that for me is a price. And, and I have them pretty regularly. You know, we go to parks and we go to playgrounds and we, you know, play ball at the fields and we just do stuff as a, as a threesome. And, the so every one of those moments like i do actually stop to smell the roses because i know that this time is finite with them at this age mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um those are the moments where i'm like it's like it's everything to me beautiful
0: and when do you start
2: teaching them golf uh <laughs> at age at ages 2 and 3 i brought them with me <clears throat> nice wow nice. And that was, that was a, that was an agreement because, you know, with uh, my ex being home all day with them, the only way that I got to go play golf was if I took them with me. I'm like, (laughs) so I started to take them with me, which is cool. So now they both can golf. Like, I mean, it's just amazing. Again, none of us are, we're we're not, we're not competitors and we don't play that much, but to be able to, as a wrestler and a football player, golf was never on my radar And it is the greatest sport for community because you're outdoors. It's hours and hours. Anyone at any, like four generations, Mm. great grandpa, grandpa, me, and kids can all play together. Mm. What else can you do where people are 80 years apart in age, but you can all participate at the same thing at the same time? And It's just lovely. It's such a lovely thing.
1: It's so interesting because one would think golf is the most solitary sport there is, you know, because you're playing essentially on your own. But uh, um, I, I know yeah. Ben's next question. I don't know if Ben's getting to the the, the takeaway question, but I, I I do have to ask you because I am curious. You mentioned yeah. mentor a bunch of times. Um, I just wanted to ask you, like, you made a conscious effort to get mentors, and you're always like you mentioned having mentors. You have different mentors. Like, how does that work? I'm just uh, yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, basically, I'm always you know looking for people who are where I want to be in whatever area and I will either hire them or just ask them just like that. And, yeah. So if they're, if they're global figure, then I'll just consume all of their knowledge. Um, and if they're a local person, then I'll just, Hey, I'd like to take you to lunch. Just pick your brain a little bit and build a friendship relationship with them in that capacity. Amazing. That's great. So I always look for that, you know, person or people or group that literally are already doing what it is that I'm aspiring to do. Uh, another Tony Robbins quote is success leaves clues. Hmm. So someone's already doing it. Clearly they figured out how to do it. So just go ask them. (laughs) (laughs) They'll tell you like, it doesn't have to be, you know, I've learned so many lessons so hard over such a long period of time that I like, get over myself and just go to the source, condense decades into days and move on with it sooner than later.
1: It's great. Yep. Yep.
0: Uh, So that the last thing we like to leave our our audience with is some tips or advice you have for anybody who's, you know, about to separate or, you know, thinking about separating from their, their spouse or their girlfriend. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It always comes back to you. Work on yourself, work on getting to a state of inner peace. So here's a, uh, I have this right on my refrigerator. It says peace. It does not mean to be in a place where there is no noise, trouble, or hard work. It means to be in the midst of those things and be calm in your heart. That's great. Beautiful. Like when you have ground zero in here, you have everything you need. But if you don't have ground zero here, you're going to be reactive. Mm. And that sucks for everyone, including yourself. So the more grounded that you can be, the more powerful you will be in every single decision you make.
1: Amazing. Amazing. Great advice.
0: So thank you, Eric, for your time. Uh, Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure
2: love what you're doing what you guys are up to so thank you so much and uh, yeah <laughs> thanks for reaching out and all the things yeah so, absolutely I really
0: appreciate uh, before we let you go okay. I just wanna I just want to yeah. let our audience know uh this is two dad to quit.com to dad to quit on Instagram Facebook Twitter please reach out to us YouTube we now have a clips channel we're about to launch a cooking show so we've got a lot of things coming up so don't forget to subscribe. You don't want to miss a thing. We will see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Too Dad, to Quit podcast. Available at twodadtoquit.com. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode.